Extra Points is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. It must be 21 years or older. Welcome, Extra Points listeners, and congratulations on making it through yet another week. Good news, the weekend awaits with its enchanting promises of endless sports and free time that ends up with you screaming silently at some jerk in the Costco parking lot instead. Or maybe I'm just projecting. Either way, we know how hard you work, and while we hope listening to all our shows makes that time go a little faster, we don't want that to feel like work in and of itself. So we've had our producers pick out their favorite bits and put them together in a half-hour supercut for you to sample. I know, I can't believe we have producers either. If you like something, check out the full episode the next week wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for supporting the network. And let me just say from the bottom of my heart as the co-founder that I sincerely hope your favorite team still loses to mine. Enjoy the shows. Well, with our first clip today, we're starting off with an NFL. If you're a fan of Dave Damashek, you're definitely aware of these. So Toby Mergler on Trendy asked Dave, what would happen if Dan Snyder never became the owner of Washington? Here's something else that's really fun, Dave. I've been looking forward to doing this with you for a very long time. I want to give the audience a treat, and I want to give you a treat. I want to give my friend Dave Damashek a treat, because mm. I am going to put you in your natural element here. I have spent the morning doing the seeds, just the beginning, just a, a first draft of one of your trademark bits, which is the NFL. So... I want to present to you some of the NFL things that I dug up for something that's near and dear to my heart, which is the Washington commanders ahead of the game in my very own backyard here uh, outside DC on, on Thursday night. So the one I want to do, Dave, and I actually called you about this a few years ago. We talked about it for two minutes, but we're going to talk about it for a little bit longer now. And that is what if Dan Snyder had lost the auction to buy the team after Jack Kent Cook died all the way back in 1998. So I'll give the backstory real quick here, and then I'll give a little bit of the seeds and we'll go back and forth. So um, Jack Kent Cook, legendary owner, passes away. And in his estate, he wanted to start up a scholarship fund for college scholarships. And he basically directed the trustees to say, I want to maximize the return to give the scholarships away. So it has to basically go to the highest bidder. There's some disputes about this, but that's more or less what uh, set up the, the scenario. So his very own son, John Kent Cook, desperately wanted to own the team. And he wanted to keep it in the family, and he put together an incredibly competitive bid. It was over $700 million. I believe the record at the time for an NFL sale was $400 million. So it's not like he lowballed them. But the league also wanted Cook to win and started putting their fingers on the scale. But the trustees, afraid of a Dan Snyder lawsuit, which most of us lived in fear of ever since that moment, ended up going with the Snyder bid, even though it was only marginally higher than um, keeping it in the family. And that is when all hell broke loose for the rest of my adult life. So Snyder, of course, famously owns the team for 24 years, wins 164 games with two playoff appearances. Cook, before him in 24 years, won 207 games, four Super Bowl appearances, three Lombardis. So three Lombardis, more than the two uh, playoff wins in the entire Snyder era. So that's, that's just to set it up. Like, 
the Cook family was excellent owners, Dave. Like I, I lived through it as a kid. They were excellent owners because most importantly, they stayed out of the way. They reminded me of teams like the 49ers, like the Steelers, like the Patriots, like the Giants, these really strong, proud family owners that don't get in the middle of personnel decisions. Uh, Dan Snyder said, hold my beer on that. In fact, the very first thing he did was get rid of, um, of Trent Green. So he started the quarterback carousel, wanted to bring in bigger names. Trent Green then leaves and goes to the Los Angeles Rams, where he gets hurt, and a man named Kurt Warner steps in and launches the greatest show on turf. That is not a, a Cook move. That is a Snyder move. So let's start there. Let's start with the very first thing they did was change quarterbacks and change the league forever by allowing the greatest show on turf to happen. So let's uh, – you want to react? I know I'm holding you back. You're dying. Well, a couple of things. things. First of you. all, the thing you have to do retroactively, because this is a, a, a something I've picked up lately. I mean, obviously, I was in on Joe Gibbs while it was happening back in the 80s, and he always deserves a shout. But very often, you'll hear his name left off of the greatest coaches of all time list. And really, you can make a case he deserves more credit than anyone else, including Landry, Noel, Shula, Belichick, all those guys win. And you can make a case QB dependent. Yeah. Joe Gibbs wins three Super Bowls in one decade with three different cats under center. Noteworthy and, and stuff actually, there. Dave, as somebody who grew up with it, it was actually um, four different cats. I know three different Super Bowl starters, but they wouldn't have made the Doug Williams Super Bowl without, right, Jay, without Schrader. Jay Schrader. Of course. Yeah. The deep so ball, it was yeah. really four quarterbacks. Doug Williams was a late sub in. They still won the Lombardi. Yeah. So that's the first one. So we, now we have the greatest show on turf possibly disrupted. And but, by the way, for a future edition to end if L it up a little bit, you can play the game of what happens with the greatest show on turf if Trent Green doesn't get hurt. Does yeah. it happen? What is Kurt Warner's role in our lives? Do we, does anybody who claims to be a football fan, do they know who Kurt Warner is besides the Penn state running back who hurt his knee when he was on the Seahawks and never fully got off after that. But anyway, um, those are subjects for another time. And yeah, they, you, you can see the beginnings of the Dan Snyder experience and how scutchy he gets, how unsettled he is after five minutes of dissatisfaction. And he lops the head off of Norv Turner, a capable enough head coach in that window, a guy much sought after, as you, as we know, if you were around in there, obviously the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys in their heyday and um, widely regarded as a great QB guru and developer of offenses and all that, they remove him and bring in Terry Rubisky for what, a, a game or three or something yeah. like that, right around the turn of the millennium. Brad Johnson is under center at this point. And then they start reaching and the, the downward spiral is in full effect by about the year 2000, 2001. Do I have that right? You have that that have that very well done right off the dome. That's why you are who you are. But my, so continuing the NFL, Dave is like they were a very smart franchise. Like the the I'm going to use the word Redskins because that's what they were called. The Redskins were an incredibly smart, well-run franchise. Hence the three Lombardies. Hence Joe Gibbs. Hence the low turnover. All those sorts of things. So if Cook comes in instead of Snyder, and instead of snow globing the team every single year, the point that you're starting to make right now, what happens in the league if we have another Patriots S team, another Steelers S team, another Giants S team? Who? How does that shake up the Patriots dynasty if they have to compete against another team that isn't taking on all these? 
these albatross contracts, that isn't signing Bruce Smith, that isn't signing Deion Sanders, that isn't signing Adam Archuleta, that isn't signing Albert freaking Hainsworth. And then who do those players go to? Because those were con- those were like franchise killer contracts. So It's what- so gargantuan a premise that it's hard to account for where all those pieces land otherwise, uh, uh, elsewhere in football America. If you start to spread those guys around the league in the – the late stages of their career, I think more to the core of things. What year was it that LeVar Arrington? That watched, that's the year 2000. 2000. It was him and Chris Samuels. And bro- this, and right. Another- and Chris Samuels. That's right. They go in, in eternal millennium draft, pivotal yep. draft for the franchise. You go two, three and you yep. go Chris Samuels and LeVar Arrington, or maybe vice versa there. Brian Erlacher is the big swing and miss in that draft. He goes to the Hall of Fame. LeVar Arrington goes on to TV and, uh, you know, hot taken and all that kind of stuff. I think that was a major swing and a miss. There wasn't in the year 2000, ironically, or wait, is that 99? Am I misremembering my years there? Which is the year that Brady gets drafted that's 99 i think right I, there's not a qb I got, I got brady history wrong last week so i'm not going to speak again and i was right around that time though it's a weird little spot in nfl history where in the perennial um qb factory college feeding the nfl there was a there was a, a moment there where there weren't a ton of high-end options available to you like chad pennington was available the the savior Short of Joe Gibbs coaching that quarterback in Washington, there was no savior in the draft for them. So you can't think yeah. them real hard there unless they went out and did it in free agency. It but was I the purging of Trent them. Green is what I you're can, saying. Yeah, but I can continue to dig them, Dave, because like this is my next point. What happens when you have a capable uh, front office in the draft and you have the Redskins who keep having this draft capital and keep blowing it? So they only made three first-round picks in the entire 1980s. I don't know if you knew that about the Redskins. They only made three first-round picks. Those three players, Art Monk, Mark May, and Daryl Green. Like three Hmm. guys, Mark May, a Pittsburgh boy, those three guys were absolutely pivotal to all three of their championships. Then during the 2000s, they get nine first round picks. Wait, when did they draft Russ Grimm? Uh, uh, Grimm, I don't think it was a first round pick. Another pit fella. Yeah, I just don't think it was a first round pick because I was only looking at first first round round pick. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. So Monkman Green in the 80s. And then the night and then the 2000s come along and they're just like raining first round picks at this point because one, they're not trading them as frequently as they did before, but they're just also a bad franchise to keep picking at the top of the draft. And in nine first round picks outside of Chris Samuels and unfortunately Sean Taylor, they didn't really draft a guy who was impact at all with all those picks. Yeah, and Sean then- Taylor's the one that uh, obviously um it, you know things are, are are probably a lot rosier just with his um his presence um going forward with Washington the other one that jumps out to me in the first round is missing on first round picks and that that you know that doesn't have to be I think we've actually reached this place where it's less of a killer to your football fortunes if you miss on a first round draft pick um these days than it used to be it used to be with a, a huge franchise setback and in 2001 off of the Samuels Arrington stuff when Erlacher is sitting there they go for Rod Gardner the wide receiver out of Clemson in the first round and right behind that is Santana Moss who ultimately lands wearing the burgundy and gold what do you guys call it burgundy and gold there burgundy and gold that's right yeah yeah um I famously as you'll recall 
uh, appointed when it was still the their their first round gaggle quartet there uh, with mm-hmm. Chase Young and company, uh, Maroon Four, and then a lot Ooh. of people didn't like it. I, a lot of DC people were like, who came up with that cheesy name? And I was very proud to raise my hand and say, Dave, that's who came up with it. But anyway, Santana Moss. And then behind that, Steve Hutchinson. And then Casey Hampton, a couple picks behind that. So these are these are core moves that could have been made. And instead, you wind up with Rod Gardner, who, by my recollection, spent uh, seven minutes playing in the NFL versus somebody who ended up having a distinguished career that probably swings the fortunes of the entire franchise to buy a win or three perennially. Yeah, um, it's, it's just present. time after time. And that's the point, right? They only hit two times and they miss seven other times. And and I'm sure trying if we to look buy their way mind, out of it. If we, if we look plus or minus five draft picks on either side of their first round picks, we'd find, you know, two to three impact guys every draft. So it's not like you're cherry picking just the one pick. Like there's impact guys all around the places where they were selecting and they constantly got it wrong. And, the, and that's what I'm saying. Like the Cook family didn't get it wrong. But let's even take a step out of the NFL for a second, Dave. What about the college game? What happens if Snyder never is owner uh, and the Cook family's running it? Steve Spurrier is not a Cook hire. I'll tell you that right now. So Steve Spurrier stays at Florida. Do the Sabres of the world have the door open to them? Are we talking about an entirely different SEC landscape without Snyder becoming the owner of the Washington Mm, Redskins? Now we're cooking with gas. When does Sabres get up to uh, or get down to Miami for his little stint? I don't remember the year, but I know that Spurrier was dominating the recruiting landscape all throughout that part of the country. And then when he comes back to South Carolina, that's just not Florida. Like I know, you know, South Carolina has a proud history and all that, that, but when he was out at the swamp and he had those quarterbacks humming and he had all that speed out on the outside and he gave that up and that's what Alabama just jumped right into. And LSU jumped right into and recruiting that area. And Florida's never really made it back. He never should have left and he wouldn't have without madman giving him whatever he gave him $25 million. I don't remember how anxious was Spurrier at the time. Was it feeling like his days in college were ripening and it was time for him to give a shot to the NFL? Because if Spurrier stays in Florida, if he isn't given financial incentive to leave there, do we ever know who Urban Meyer is? Do we ever, or, or, or I should say more accurately, we know who Urban Meyer is, but where does he go? He wouldn't have gone to Florida. So then what job does he take and does he succeed in that one? Yep, it's a, it's a great point. Um, or, oh, 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 keep going. You're the king of this. Show everybody the shine he, for everybody, Dave. Does he, when he's over on the Western side of football America, does he maybe take the available USC job? Oh, Urban the, Meyer. What's Pete what Carroll doing then? I don't know. Pete Carroll is an afterthought. He, you yeah. know, he's just a career assistant in the NFL somewhere, taking gigs where available coordinating defenses here there and everywhere and maybe he winds up coaching like washington state or somebody like that beggars couldn't be choosers at that time he had failed so kind of sort of with the jets in in that opportunity remember when pete carroll went to usc he was like their third or fifth option you know it's a it was not uh an inspired choice he was their fallback he had that usc had gotten turned down a couple times by the time they signed pete carroll so um anyway yeah interesting so, so spurrier 
Spurrier, Never Spurrier, my, my, my memory of Spurrier was he got like an NFL record deal. Like it was outrageous yeah. for the time. Something like uh, 25 for five, all guaranteed. It was like three times what he was making it forward and nobody had ever got a contract like that. So I don't know if he, somebody else would have given him that money, but I knew there was exactly one guy dumb enough to do it. And he never should have owned the team in the first place would set all this off. But finally, Dave, because we do got to get to the picks. Finally, mm. what about our nation? What about the entire United States of America? The Redskins mm. were the one thing that tied DC together. And as they fell apart, so did bipartisanship. Coincidence? Wow. Not for me to say. Wow. But I now do you're know, to something. But I do know that DC would have had a new stadium in it years ago, if not for Snyder. And just like my childhood, it would have bound people together in those stands and let instead of having them spread far apart. So did Snyder destroy America? I say yes. In a, I mean, you know what? It doesn't feel like that big a reach to say that <laughs> that that all that ails the red, white, and blue is owed to Dan Snyder at the turn of the millennium, twenty-four years ago. Hmm. You, you make that you make a powerful case at least. The ultimate NFL, just to like shine a final light on how big a creep the guy was and how disastrous this was for the family. Uh, Jack Kent Cook's final act was building building FedEx Field, which of course then fell apart. Uh, but when he was negotiating the land deal in Maryland, he got to name the zip code because it had a dedicated post office zip code. He got to name it uh, whatever he wanted. And he called it Ralph John because he had a son, Ralph, and he had a son, John, John Kent Cook, who then tried to buy the team. And Snyder's one of Snyder's very first acts upon signing the paperwork of taking over ownership was petition petitioning the state of Maryland and the post office to rename the county, to remove the <laughs> Cook's family name from even the land that it sat on that the previous owner built it upon so good freaking riddance and it's why the good vibes are back here for the commanders at dc and fans like me are all the way back in on the team and i love it yet again dave it was the biggest part of my childhood and i can't wait to return to it on thursday night i you know what it was a little bit of an undercover thing until the last couple of years Gleaness off the field with Snyder, but people failed to. There's this uh, this hierarchy of who suffers as as a fan base in football and as a sports fan in general. And Washington football fans, you guys got used to a certain level of play, and so the drop off is pretty severe when when that goes away. And then you get the blip of RG three and all of that little ray of sunshine. But yeah, for the most part, for you know, a quarter century. These have been dark days for you. And again, it's not like you're a Jets or a Browns fans, like where you can shrug and be like, yeah, what else is new? We stink. This is this is a more severe pain because you ain't used to it. You know, I lifted three Lombardies when right. I was in elementary school. In right. Elementary and then your school, muscles, dude. when you weren't lifting those Lombardies, your muscles atrophied and you got fat and sad <laughs> and depressed like the whale. Jesus, you know, Dave, it's sort of like it's sort of like Bre it's sort of like you are like Brendan Frazier. You got fat, not but, but in the same thing, his love kind of died and made him feel sad. and He got fat and mm -hmm. same thing. The Washington football team that you knew and loved also died when Dan Snyder bought them and you got fat and sad and depressed. 
I feel like you're on my therapist payroll. Like I thought I was good. I was ready to move on. But now Dave's coming out on national uh, programming here and calling me fat, sad, and depressed, guys. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure he's thankful for the basically the referral that you're giving for putting me back on the couch. Let's take a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. During this episode of Extra Points, Dave Damashek and Sarah Tiana are joined by comedians Jerron Horton and Jason Tebow, and they had a very funny discussion about if Jerron could actually kick a 40-plus yard field goal. This is something that me and Jay and Jerron have been fighting about over the last week because, obviously, Jason has a young Hoku jersey. I'm a I'm a big Ku fan. He's on my fantasy team. I think he's great. 
Jerron thinks he's trash because he missed what a forty-two yard or a forty-seven yard. Forty-seven, I believe. <clears throat> it was. It, I, I think he. I'm thinking he's trash way before he missed the forty-seven yeah, yard. Yeah, he hated them all last year. Still hates him this year. And Jerron has said to me and Jason that oh. a, a forty-two yard field goal is easy to kick or simple. Sorry, and that he could do it. Do you think? That's Kenny true. gets 10 tries. He gets 10 tries. He gets 10 tries just to make one. Okay. Do, you think it's think do, do we need it to do wait? Did you I didn't hear what you said there, Jaron? Is and there they, are you doing it with like they're the 10 guys in front of you and they're trying to no. block it and all that or what? Sarah and Jason can come off the edge and try to block it, but they <laughs> they'll be unsuccessful. Like the they, Patriots guy did. Uh, they make that move, they can do that. Um, okay, if it's like an untimed walk up to it. I need a little more information. Have you ever yeah. played soccer? He has no legs. <laughs> I don't play soccer. See, that's the kind of detail. I've never I need played to soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never played soccer. Never well, they're not going to say no. I'm sorry. I he don't want. He I, did I, kick why? a couple why field would, goals in high school. Why? Because you, say 40, no? you ever stood out on the field and looked at? I, I I say this to everybody. When people do the whole like ah Scott Norwood, the Bills would have won a Super Bowl if not for that bum. Like go stand at. Where a forty-seven yard field goal is, and I it looks—it looks, it looks like four the, miles away. That's like on like the, the thirty-two yeah. yard line, 32, 33 yard line. I know, right? Exactly. But when you look at it, where it is, it looks so far away. Like, wait, I have to get into that little rectangle way over there. Oh no, chance. that's you. You're putting. You, we're talking about me. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. Two like, different I played football my whole life. Well, that's, that uh, that's the point been... of the kicking thing is so lame that they bend out. Here's what I agree with. Kicking <clears throat> was not supposed to be – kicks weren't supposed to be 50 yards plus with any regularity. And so that they bend out that essential role to some, like, five foot four guy from Europe to settle all hash when 59 and a half minutes prior, everybody was running into each other, football players were running. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to bring this the kicker guy in to settle this and make a 57-yarder and swing the whole game that had nothing to do with anything else that's happened over the, the afternoon here. It's very weird, but I'm going to stand by it. You cannot make a 42-yard field goal. Long, well, man. put your money where your mouth is because I'm already going to take Sarah's $1,000. Okay. Thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. I was pitching that Sarah gets to pick what shoes he wears. No, no, I get to wear my. I get to wear. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy some kicker cleats. Okay. Fine. Brand new shoes you've never worn before. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take three steps backwards and one step to the left, and then I'm gonna boot that through the upright. I was gonna. You know what you should. But it has to be. Like hell, oh, you God. can't put it on a tee or anything like that. And it, I, it's easier to kick it when someone's holding it than it is to kick it off of a tee to kick it through the upright. But you have one and a half seconds from the time it snapped. No, I, I, you, you guys are going to be rushing off the edge, and if you can block it, then that's Tell, how much time I have. Don't I don't need to block it. I'm not even going to run towards it. I don't think it's well, going to go in. It's going to be hard for us to run with our uniforms I, on. We were talking about Sarah. <laughs> What's you? You know, in those old school days, I said these are uniforms, like in the old, like our gang cartoons, and like three little kids put on a <laughs> trench coat and try to get into a bar. That's what we're gonna. That's our uniforms. We're gonna have. Jay, I'm gonna be like eleven feet tall. Jason also said he gets to have a trampoline where he gets to jump. Oh, I, yeah, truck. I go. We going trampoline or no trampoline on the block? <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to go because time's running short, and so I don't want to get crazy. 
I really do think that it's crazy that we don't let those guys jump over the line of scrimmage on field goal tries. Like, why Why would you not want them to do that? It's a, yeah. one of the coolest plays available is when they jump up and over mm-hmm. a guy. I mean, like a, like a dunk contest kind of uh, effect. It's it's awesome. And yet the NFL uh, draws the line there. That That's where it gets to be too unsafe. The, yeah. All the other running into each other on purpose. <laughs> but, but not this. It's, there's a... I, I gotta say, I want to watch. I'm in for I'm in for a grand and um 42 yarder if you've never tried this before. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I I, I hate to be a hater. I'm a much like well, it makes sense because like Dion says, like you're just a hater if you don't believe. I don't believe here. Um uh, listen, I'm not as old as y'all, okay? I've still got it. <laughs> and you'll see. I'd like you to become not just I think revolutionize it, not just head on, not just barefoot barefoot head-on kicker that could be why, your thing no why, one's ever done why, that before. why do y'all have to i just said i can make the field goal now you're like take trying to take cleats away from me trying to take clothes away from me like trying to use <laughs> trampolines like I if i can make the kick i'm gonna make the kick okay i don't Go i don't ahead. buy it i don't buy it but Shaq, real quick there is one very important stipulation no jokes no practice he can't be getting yeah, a cannot. kicking coach for a month what do you mean and then- no what do you mean no practice I'm going to show said, up on You the said day you could show up and do it no You said problem. today. You said I could do it today. No then that problem. is essential. Then you have yes. to do it today. Okay, sure. I won't I won't practice. I know you. You're an athletic guy. If you got to meet some kicker and you're like, hey, let's spend an afternoon doing this. I know uh, that sh- kicker won't be Young Way Koo. <laughs> it'll be he Morton Anderson and, and he'll teach Jaron to do it left footed and it'll hurt even worse <laughs> when he makes it southpaw. Um <laughs> When I when I have to pay him a thousand dollars, how I, how I got sucked into this, I don't you know. To, okay. you, it's going to my favorite charity. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Uh, oh, okay. Wouldn't What's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals? I don't think anyone predicted the team to be struggling this much, especially offensively with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. Myself and Jen Piacenti discussed their offense during the newest episode of Waiver Wired. How many Bengals do you have, and how do you feel about this offense moving forward? I, I guess, luckily, I never, I don't have any Bengals, did not draft Mixon, didn't draft any of the receivers, wow. didn't take Burrow. Um, and it wasn't because I was afraid of it, just it never worked out in the, in the drafts yeah. I had. But, I mean, 12.3 points per game. I mean, it's just for that offense. Like, it, this offense, like, we have to remember how bad their O-line was in a lot of games, a lot of playoff games. And it didn't matter because they were just, they had so many star players out there. They found a way to get a ball out. And I think it does kind of stem back from this calf injury that clearly is more significant than oh, we were yeah. being led on. He, he can't press. Um, he can't, it, it, there's not a lot of quick throws. And then you never like seeing a receiver come out in the media and say, you know, I'm always effing open. Uh, it, it, Jamar Chase is never having those explosive plays. He's getting a lot of targets, a lot of catches, just not a lot of uh, extra going on there. So uh, I, it's, it's pretty bizarre. I thought they were a shoe in to win the AFC North and that looks like it's not going to hit. So the Bengals, I mean, Look, I, I, it's you don't want to go to Browning as your back of quarterback, but I think there's clearly an issue here with your right. Yeah, but I get it that okay. First off, Joe Burrow, the highest paid quarterback right now mm-hmm. in the NFL, not looking great. Daniel Jones, forty million dollar contract. It kind of makes you wonder. Like again, I don't know. I'm not going to say there's a connection there, but. I, I can see why teams I, feeling. I, I think that definitely plays a factor. I also, I also wish the Bengals were playing the prime time slots instead of the Giants because I think they'd be less yeah. good on my team. <laughs> <laughs> but would it be better to be losing with your backup quarterback than to keep 
if you're going to lose anyway, which is what they're doing, sure. wouldn't it be better to go ahead and lose a game? Just say, you yeah. know what? We're going to lose this one and it's fine. And maybe we'll get lucky because right now you're just keeping your starter and quarterback from being at full strength. I, I think it's a phenomenal idea. I think there's no reason to like, uh, I'm looking up quickly to see when their bye week is like, you have to, you, the, the, he's already been pulled from games, right? So it's like, why not just like line it up with the bye week, come, let him back healthy. And then yeah. I think, I think their bye week is coming up. It, it's, um, I think it's, it's in three weeks from now. Weeks, so, yeah. Weeks. So they play, they play two more games. They have a bye week and then, then they have to play Halloween weekend versus the 49ers. Why not just like, sit them use the week off use the bye week come back fresh for a huge game in san fran fully healthy uh hopefully full or as healthy as he could be during the season because again like you said he we already we, we you pulled him once you're if you're gonna anyway. drop a game you're scoring you're, 12 points per game I, I, how much I'm, worse I'm can the backup quarterback be right i'm with you on that yeah so um, the biggest question we've been getting is about T Higgins. I'm actually, we're not getting questions about Jamar Chase, which is interesting, but um, I want to tell you why I think T Higgins is a buy low candidate. That's right, friends. I said it. Buy low on T Higgins. T Higgins has a greater air yard share this season than Jamar Chase. Even though he left with an injury early in one game. Number two. T. Higgins has caught the only two touchdowns Joe Burrow has thrown. That's pretty important. Number three, he's in a contract year. This is the biggest one, okay? T. Higgins is motivated to be really good. So the second that Joe Burrow is fine and he will be fine, T. Higgins is going to do everything he can to make plays and get the ball in his hands. And clearly, Joe Burrow's happy to send it his way. Okay, so when Joe Burrow's ha ha healthy, I think T. Higgins will be too. Now, there's concern about this rib fracture. Mm -mm. No, again, he's in a contract year. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays this weekend. Would I start him this weekend? Probably not. But because of Joe Burrow, not because of his rib injury, I think T. Higgins is a buy low candidate. If you have the room, okay, look. You know, get creative, move some players to the IR, you know, see what you can do. See if your league says, if they have the little O, sometimes they let you put them on the IR, mm -hmm. figure out every way you can to game the system to keep T Higgins. I understand not wanting to start him. And I understand if you're just frustrated and you need points now and you need to move him. I understand that too. But if you're in the catbird seat of having a winning team and having some pieces, can you imagine T Higgins for your fantasy playoffs? I can. I, I think that's great too. I mean, remember back in the off season when there was talks of should they they're going to move on from him, they're going to trade him. Like, well, they didn't trade him for a reason because they believe he's going to be part of the offense. And like you said, contract year. So not only does T Higgins know he has to perform, but the Bengals like, no, 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 we still want you here to perform uh, for us. So I, I think that's a great and, move. And, and, and even again, if they don't, like, I mean, it's a, this is the Kyle Tucker syndrome. Sorry to bring it back to baseball, but like the Astros didn't sign him to the extension. Guess what? He went out and had a 30. Yes, it is a 30. Don't give me that BS that that was a throwing error. And so he doesn't get the 30 home run. It's not 29. It is 30. They're going to have to change that. 30-30 season and the most RBIs in the American League. They didn't sign him to the contract extension. They cost themselves. Ta Kyle Tucker was playing for himself as well as the team. T. Higgins will be playing himself as much as he can into the best contract he can get. Maybe it's with another team or maybe it is with the Bengals. Either way, it just doesn't matter. So that's why I believe that T. Higgins is a buy low candidate. I do understand if you're frustrated. I would not drop him. I would trade him.
Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix, Shador Sanders. Mike Renner joins Dave Damashek during the first episode of Minus 3 this week to give his rankings of the best college quarterbacks. Give us your ranking of the QBs as it stands right now. Some uh, some late noise about Shador Sanders maybe vaulting past Caleb Williams. How say you? Give us win, play, show your top three quarterbacks in the 2024 draft. I can't get on board with that. Caleb Williams is still... And I actually... I can't even get on board with jumping Drake May either. So I, I Caleb mm-hmm. Williams won. I was honestly saw him neck and neck with Drake May heading into the year. I, I think Caleb Williams is just like too gifted to like fail. I I just think he's really got total package, even if like that USC offense sometimes is playing on easy mode. Him then Drake May. And then QB3 is the one that's like debatable. I, I still I'm leaning Bo Nix right now over Shadur. Hmm. But it's Shadur is like, come on, real strong. It, it's those two to me are neck and neck right now. But I think Bo Nix is almost underrated because it's almost like what Jalen Hurts' career was. You think of Jalen Hurts, everyone thinks freshman year Jalen Hurts, right, at Alabama coming out in draft. People are like, that guy can't be an NFL quarterback. Everyone thinks freshman, sophomore year, Bo Nix at Auburn. And, I mean, admittedly, it was not didn't look like an NFL quarterback at all. But the last two years, uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's a gifted runner. Uh, hmm. I think Bo Nix can be can sneak his way in the first round here. And let's stop down for a quick break here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I guess the Detroit Lions are no longer the Detroit Lions. Mark Gunnels and Martin Weiss and Lemon Pepper Parley discussed the good vibes in Detroit and how impressive they've been so far this season. And then good vibes. You know, you went for ugly vibes for your team, the New Orleans Saints. But how about one of your other places you have some allegiance to? The Detroit Lions. Give them some credit. Very good vibes in Detroit. Give them some credit. You know, you were kind of skeptical. Like, eh, it might be the same old Lions, but I think these are not your your dad's Lions, Martin. I don't think so. You know, they went into Lambeau and just dominated. I mean, that game wasn't even close. The Packers tried to make a little run there at the end. but And then now, part of the good vibes, too, you got J-Mo coming back sooner than you thought, right? I promise you, I was on the phone with my buddy who's a Lions fan. <laughs> and I was like, I've never seen the team out of Detroit like this. That has had such a good offensive and defensive line. That's the difference. They have they have yeah. trenches. They are stout in the trenches. I yeah. said the one thing the team's really missing is a guy to take the top off. Like they don't have anybody who's fast on the outside on the offensive side of the ball. Well, he's on now the way they back. do. I said yeah. now they do. As as for whatever reason, the NFL decided that we're going <laughs> to limit these gambling punishments. <laughs> now Jamie Williams is back in the back in the action, and I was just like, wow, that's literally. Ten minutes before I said they don't have any deep threats. Afterwards, Adam Schefter comes across with the Jameson Williams will be back for the line. And yeah. if nothing else, even if he's just somebody who just takes the safety out of the box, that's going to help the line a ton. And, and then how about this? I mean, look at their upcoming schedule. They play the Panthers and the Bucks the next two weeks. Then you got the Ravens and the Raiders. I mean, they could they can rattle off some wins here and create some separation in that NFC North, which is not impressive to say the least. So. I think the Lions definitely need some respect. 
And with our last clip here, well, you know Sheck loves lists. So during this episode of Minus 3, Dave shares his list of best non-divisional rivalries with Kevin Hench. It is rivalry week, not just in Pittsburgh, but that's a dandy one. And I talked all about it on the 15-minute show, so go and check that out. But in addition to that, you have the Red River Shootout, Texas and, and, and Oklahoma, as juicy as it's been in a decade at least. I mean, two top 10 teams going head-to-head. We'll give you our pick in that one. And then you have the Niners and the Cowboys, and the Packers complete the holy trinity of NFC teams. Um, but where does that rank for you? I mean, that's on the short list, basically. I want to celebrate rivalries. It's you know, it's on my short list of best things in sports. Where best non-divisional rivalries of all time? I've made a list. Would you like to hear it? Oh, of course. At number 12, USA versus Soviet Union. Basketball or hockey. It's great stuff. At number 11. Better hockey. Better hockey. Well, it depends <laughs> which side you're rooting for. I think about roughly, what, 60% of this country is rooting for red, white, and blue. Oh, so you say yeah, that one. Yes, so yeah, that's true. Um, at number 11, they're going to be furious when spaghetti kills Putin. The sun- why'd, you, why'd you kill our guy? <laughs> the sunshine state, Florida v. Miami v. Florida state v. Florida v. And so it goes at number 10 Steelers and Raiders, obviously in the seventies, it was everything on the AFC side of things, but it has moved on through the decades and remained relevant more or less, even when both teams stink, like they did a couple of Sunday nights ago, LeBron James V the Western conference at number nine at number eight, I'm going Notre Dame V USC. That's going to be a big one upcoming here. The Irish Still have a chance to get into that playoff, but they got to beat the Trojans. Number seven, Wings v. Avs. At number six, Tom Brady v. the Manning Brothers. At number five, it's a tie. It is those uh, It is those three NFC powerhouses. Cowboys v. Niners. Cowboys v. Packers. Packers v. Niners. You get all that. At number four, Army v. Navy. Number three, Steelers v. Cowboys. Three Super Bowls. Number two, Yankees and Dodgers. Number one, Lakers and Celtics. The point is rivalries are great and we have a dandy one because this one has transcended the eras. I mean, you can go back to Roger Staubach showing down with John Brody in the playoff game when they still had AstroTurf at the stick. That was when that rivalry really started to pop, but then you went from Landry passing the torch to Bill Walsh and and all the rest of it. Delicious stuff. The two best teams, if not the Eagles, um, in the NFC. I can't wait for this uh, rivalry weekend. So that's my good goat. Um, do you agree? Any thoughts there, Hans? Yeah, I, I mean, you it's, say it's I go on too much and you, don't let you get you it. you mention it, uh, you know, it's like it is wild for uh, a non-division rivalry like Niners-Cowboys to span so many generations of football that you just rattled off. You know, John Brody, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman. How about T.O. standing on the star and then playing for the Cowboys and then Dion playing for the Niners and then playing for the Cowboys like that overlap makes it uh, makes it uh, into a soap opera kind of thing. Um, And uh, Haley. Yep, right. Exactly. Yeah, you could uh, Ken Norton as a. And while he was a cowboy, he was the D coordinator for the Niners. He also was a coordinator, a defensive assistant for the Cowboys. But yeah. 